How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are going to continue on our study of the book of Philippians. And we are in chapter 3, and we're going to pick up where we left off at verse 8. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And of course, very importantly, grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it is not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast, we'll try to get to it then. We want to just uh, limit our rabbit trailing and just try to stay on point here. So if you got something you want to comment on, a point brought up in the study, something the Lord's uh, shown you in the study, um, or you'd like to go over something again for cl clarification or whatever, please feel free to chime in, ask away. And uh, yeah, so while we're waiting, um, tried an old, uh, an older favorite uh, recipe for coffee this morning um, so I don't have to use sugar trying to trying to limit sugar during this season it's not working very well but I try uh, but anyways uh, so I use a French press not the regular coffee maker keep the water between uh, 165 and 175 uh, degrees now when you uh, have your coffee grounds ready Put in just a little drizzle of vanilla extract. Just if you like vanilla. But just a little drizzle of vanilla extract, or you can use other flavor if you want. Just a little drizzle with a pinch of salt. Uh, the salt helps cut the, some of the bitterness and, and it adds a bit more of the malty flavor. So just put a little drizzle of vanilla extract, a little pinch of salt in the grinds, and then you put in the hot water, let it steep. And I'm telling you, it's fantastic. You don't even need milk and sugar. It's really, really good. <clears throat> so there's something for you this morning. Uh, purely says, uh, also grow and use stevia. I'm not a fan of stevia. Uh, sorry, no offense. I'm just not a fan. It's something about the taste. It has a weird aftertaste, I find. Um, I don't know. It's just me. I'm weird. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I've tried stevia before in other things, and just, I don't know. It's one, I think it's one of those things you have to become accustomed to it. You have to have a taste for it. I don't really. But uh, all power to you for using it. <laughs> okay. Here we are. Me <clears> too. <throat> uh, had to acquire a taste. There you go. Um, so for this morning, we're just going to be finishing up chapter three. Don't know how long it'll go. Um, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be a very long one this morning. So I want to finish up chapter three and then, uh, we're going to be doing chapter four, Lord willing on Friday. And that finishes up Philippians. I wanted to try to get this book finished, uh, before, uh, the Christmas holidays because I'm also just wanted to let you folks know, just FYI, 
the week of the 25th to the 1st, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be taking off. Uh, so we're not going to be here during the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we're uh, going to be off that week. So in case you're, you're wondering, um, in the new year, uh, what I want to do as we're going to be starting up a new Bible study is as we finish up Philippians, I believe it's the book of Matthew we haven't done yet. So we're going to be starting up a, a new gospel study on the gospel of Matthew, Lord willing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I also want, want to finish up the uh, Pauline epistles of these uh, first letters here. In Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I also want to do Colossians. So we'll see how it goes, uh, whether we do Colossians first or, or Matthew. So be praying. We're, we're, we're kind of balancing that one back and forth, seeing what we want to do. So again, uh, from the 25th to the 1st, I'm not going to be here. Uh, but uh, I'll be back on, uh, Lord willing, on the second or some some. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes on the second or third. We'll see how it goes there. Alrighty. So with that, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Philippians chapter three, verse eight. <clears throat> All right. So. We talked about in verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And we discussed in great detail about the about the knowledge of Christ, what this is, and how this is most excellent, as the Bible talks about, the excellency. It's the superiority, the superiority, uh, the, the high power and uh, abilities of the gospel, what makes it excellent that that is above everything what it what is the the full power we went over that in great detail now he talks about how to count all things but loss meaning as nothing else in this entire world no other knowledge no other practice no other thing that we could possibly come across even is even close it, it, does it even come close to the power and the excellence of the gospel of jesus christ nothing else is is as important as he says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And that everything else is lowered down even to that kind of a level. Is just, when you look at it in comparison, it would just, it's not saying that these things are dung, but rather it, when you look at the hierarchy of the of the doctrines of the gospel of salvation the gospel of jesus christ how high it is it's like the name of jesus how how high his name is and how the lord talks about how if you hate not mother or father um, you have no part with me it doesn't mean as an actual despising hate hatred that kind of thing just that when you look at the kind of love you have for your family and the kind of love you have for christ the love for christ is so high that in comparison, it's almost like it's you hate them, you hate the parents, but it's, it's not that you actually hate them. So we have to look at it in context. It's not saying that everything else is dung. In that in that comparison, we have to look at the things as dung, but rather it's in comparison to uh, when you take everything else that is in the world, everything else of life, everything else, and you compare it to the, to the knowledge of Christ. 
They're so far apart. That's what he's talking about. He's using these words in a metaphorical uh, sense is to help us to understand the high superiority that is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> All right, so we went over that in detail in the last one. So let's continue on here. Now, when he talks about, I do count all, uh, all things as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, it's Matthew 16. Let's take a look at Matthew 16. And verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, this is what he's getting at. Whereas Jesus talked about how if you want to follow him, you want to follow the Lord Jesus, you need to forsake. That means to let go, to drop off, and to no longer desire these things. That your only true desire would be to serve the Lord in everything that you do. So a new life, new focus, new mind, new understanding, new desires. <clears throat> So that, that's the point, and verse 8 is Matthew 16, 24, and verse 9. And uh, so uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, and be found in him to be found in Christ. Now this is 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, and we are in him. What does it mean to be in Christ? Can, can anybody tell me, uh, what's, what's, what's your thoughts? Uh, when, you, when, you hear, when you hear that in 1 John 5, 20, and we are in him. We take a look at John 15, 7. If ye abide in me. So in verse 9 here, and be found in him. What does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ. Well, what thoughts come to your mind? Well, for me, when I when I hear when I hear that that phrase, we hear hear that kind of wording. To be in Christ. It, the, the picture that comes to my mind is like water baptism. It's uh, as it's symbolic. And uh, you are immersed in the water. The uh, uh, biblical baptism is immersion. And you lay down in the water and you're brought back up. It's as we go down, we are in the water. Right? We're in the water. So as we are in the water in water baptism, we see now with the Lord Jesus Christ, to abide in him, to be in him, is a full immersion. In, it, it, very, very similar in, uh, in picture. It, in, the full immersion in Jesus Christ as it's all-encompassing. Of all, all uh, mind, soul, heart, body, every aspect of me. Of my being, my thinking, my words, my senses, my hearing, my seeing, my working, my walking, everything immersed in Christ. Um, and Kimberly says the Holy Spirit is in you. Yeah, exactly. He is in me, but how am I in him? Is the is the the thought here. And and to be found in him that we would be found in him. 
Uh, purely says, in everything I see, think, and do, I try to check it with Jesus' standard. Am I representing him or myself? I strive to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me as opposed to my flesh. Exactly. So just as, as Kimberly pointed out, as the Spirit of God is in us, we are in him. As we, are, uh, as we have been fully immersed in the blood of Christ in our salvation, washing us clean by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, now, now our walk with Christ, our life with Christ, is to be immersed in him. So, <clears throat> that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Now look what he says here. Verse 9. Now, this is an interesting one. As I've talked about a billion times before, we're going to do it a billion and one. <laughs> now, look at the look at look at the language here. To be found in Christ not having mine own righteousness. If only the works-based salvationists would actually read their Bible, paying attention to the actual words that they're reading. No, now the works-based. And for the record, I'm going to be clarifying this as I go along. I'm a grace preacher, as you well know. I preach the grace of Christ, the complete and absolute full free grace of jesus christ it's free because it's a gift it's not a reward because it's not by works now people say so are you saying we don't need to do works there's a massive difference between want to and have to i don't have to do anything because have to also has the uh, the implication that there are consequences if you don't so what are you implying as the consequences would be if you don't you see the workspace will say your salvation's on the line no it's not because as we also uh, understand as first corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 please take your bibles and turn to first corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 first corinthians 1 30 so as paul says not having mine own righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are ye in, there it is, are ye in Christ Jesus, since we are in Christ Jesus, we are bound in him, held in him, sealed in him, we are possessed in him, all encompassed by him. He is in us and he's holding us. So he's in and out. He's holding, the, he's holding us in and out. His spirit is in us, holding us. And he is outside holding us in his hand. So we're completely, completely in and out, <clears throat> held and sealed by God. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Christ is made unto us, meaning he is our, he is our, 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our wisdom and righteousness he is our righteousness and sanctification 
and redemption. So Jesus Christ is our wisdom, because I have not mine own wisdom, but he teaches me all things and causes me to be in remembrance of everything uh, he has told us. And he is our righteousness. Why? Because we have none. We have no goodness of our own. We have no righteousness of our own. We have nothing of our own. I have no goodness. I cannot be good enough. Because in five minutes, I'll just wind up sinning again, and I just ruin everything. I have no righteousness of my own. That's why he imputes his righteousness upon me, because I have none of my own. <laughs> so I can't be good enough. I can't earn his favor. I can't maintain to keep or earn my sanctification. How can I sanctify myself? There, I, I have no goodness of my own. I'm incapable of doing anything right on my own. I have no power, no goodness, no ability, no righteousness. I can't sanctify myself in any way, shape, or form. Therefore, he is my righteousness. He, and he now indwells me and holds me, encompasses me, and seals me in his righteousness. So therefore, my righteousness is his righteousness. My sanctification is his sanctification just as he is my redemption first corinthians 130 so that i would also be found in him not with my own righteousness back in philippians chapter 3 verse 9 not having my own righteousness that the lord would not find me trying to elevate myself in any way that I would remember my place of what I am. Because when I remember my place of what I am and who he is and how I am completely immersed in his grace, completely immersed in him, that causes me to debase myself and elevate him. I must decrease, he must increase. And if you want to have the proper full knowledge of Jesus Christ, you need to lower yourself and not to think yourself any more highly than you ought. That I be found in him with none of my own goodness. Because what goodness I have and do, it's not mine own but his. The reason why I do good is because his spirit in me is coaching me. His spirit tells me, shows me, convinces me, convicts me, works in me, teaches me, instructs me in everything. I have no goodness of my own. I have no righteousness of my own. I have no ability of my own. So let me not be, let, 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 let me not become so delusional that I would think that the goodness and righteousness that I may be promoting would be mine own. But rather that while I am in him, walking in him, praying in him, living in him, I have the proper understanding that it's his righteousness and not mine. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, works, try, trying to keep, trying to do that I would strive to do that. That's not the proper focus. That's not the striving that we should do, keeping of law and commandments. Rather, it's something else. It's something else. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. It's not through law-keeping. It's not through commandments. Righteousness is not earned through the law. 
For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not. It's through the faith of Christ, not the law. Galatians 2.16 But that which is through the faith of Christ. What is faith? Believing trust. Believing trust. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by law keeping. Nope. The righteousness which is of God by church tradition. Nope. Uh, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Believing trust. The righteousness of God which is by faith. So if you want to follow after righteousness, it's by believing faith. Not by doing and not doing, abstaining and gaining, achieving and working and slaving and law keeping and no. It's not through charity and going to church and doing these things and doing the Christian stuff, doing the Christian. No, 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 no. It's by belief. Righteousness is by belief, not by doing. If you want to walk in righteousness, it's not by walking in works. It's walking in belief. You see that? Has it clicked yet? Has it clicked yet? Righteousness and sanctification. It's not through working and righteous works and religiosity and doing and not doing. Righteousness and sanctification is simply through believing trust. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you. Because he believed he walked on the water with Jesus. Belief is righteousness. Belief is holy. Belief is that which pleases the Lord. Believing trust, believing hope, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in a person. Not faith in that I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> believe in yourself. Just believe that you're doing the right thing. <laughs> That's a bunch of nonsense. Bunch of hogwash. Faith is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. It's not faith in works, not faith in law. It's faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So when I trust in him and believe in him with all mine heart, and lean not to mine own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, he will direct my paths. And the works that I then do are not mine own works, but are of his through you. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives through you. He will teach you all things. He will guide you in all things. He, he will cause you to be in remembrance of everything where he has told you. And, and the words and the works and the deeds and the things that you wind up then doing is by direct causation of the control of the Spirit of God in you. So my works are not mine own. So it's not mine own works then. So the righteous works that I am then doing is not mine own works. The righteous words that I have then that, that I then am saying are not mine own words. You see that? Do you see how the how the works-based salvationists, the works-based cults, how they twist that around? And it almost sounds good. It almost sounds right, but it's so twisted and evil and 
dark. It's a false gospel. It takes the whole control away from God and puts it on you. It takes the righteousness away from God and puts it on you. It takes sanctification and redemption away from God and puts it on you and turns you into Jesus. That's what the cults do. Those who deny eternal security, those who deny once saved, always saved, those who deny the free grace of God, those that tell you you got to keep the law and follow up their commandments and all these things, they're taking all of the ability away from Jesus Christ and turning you into Jesus. That's what they're doing. That's why it's evil. That's why it's dark. And that's why those gospels will take you straight to hell. Because you're changing the truth of God into a lie and you're worshiping and serving the creature, yourself, more than the creator. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I, I conform myself. I, I imitate Christ's likeness. I am not Christ, but I imitate him. I have not the power of Christ, but his power works through me. I have no righteousness of my own, but his righteousness is manifested through me. I cannot keep my sanctification, but it's shown by his power. That I may know him. To truly know him is to completely die to self. To let go of yourself and to stop thinking yourself more highly than you ought. We are sinners saved by grace and that's all we are. We have no power, no ability, no sanctification, no righteousness, no goodness of our own. We are sinners saved by grace. So therefore, what I strive to do is not try to earn favor because I can't earn his favor. His favor is given to me by grace. I have his favor because I have his son. So what I then do is to walk in his grace that he has bestowed upon me. And in so doing, I imitate him. I walk as his children. Just as if, as if you're a parent, you have little kids. Your kids imitate you. Kids imitate that which their attention is given to. They are imitators. So as children imitate authority over them, we imitate the authority over us, our Father, our King, our God. We imitate Him as dear children. We walk as dear children. So we, we conform that I may be conformable. We conform ourselves unto his death. So that's death of self, elevation of Christ. Forsake all, follow me. True joy, which is of the spirit of Christ, power, joy, and peace, comes by, it comes by putting the Lord in his proper place. That I no longer want myself. I don't want to be the authority. I don't want to try to. I don't want to try to control. I don't want to be the one that is in charge of keeping and maintaining anything. Rather, I just want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my spirit, with all my body. I want to love Him, follow Him, 
And when my eyes are on him, and I'm in relation, a proper relationship with him, walking in him, his spirit then works in me, teaching me, convicting me, working in me, changing me as he sees fit. I don't change myself. He changes me. He tells me what needs to be changed. I'm not the one in control of myself. As I am the living temple, he is the he is my God, I his priest, he tells me what to do. He tells me where to go, how to be, what to say, and I say, yes, Lord. That's all I got to do. Say, yes, Lord. So when he shows me in his scriptures that which is right, I say, yes, Lord. Not as though I had already attained. Uh, sorry, I, I skipped ahead. Uh, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The fellowship and conformation. The fellowship of confirmation. So when I fellowship with him, I seek to be more like him every time. How, how can I walk closer? How can I be closer? How can I understand better? By dying to self more. If by any means, verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To understand, uh, uh, now, as he has died for me for my sins, and he rose again, we see this dying and rising. What can what 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 images and pictures can can then apply to me and now my walk my life in Christ? There's dying to self and rising again. In a new mind, new purpose, new being, new fellowship. Dying to self. I die daily. I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me, as Paul says. That I may know Him, by any means I might attain unto Him. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I don't, I, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I'm, I'm not saying that I, I, I've already solved it, figured it all out. But that, but that, however, my striving, what I'm seeking after, as look what he says here, to be apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean, to be apprehended? That means to be caught. Hands laid hold on, seized, and is in control of. I haven't seized anything. It's not about me becoming perfect. I have not attained. I have not apprehended, but rather that I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. His hands are on me. Mine, I miss it all the time. That if I'm if I try to reach out and grasp that which is perfect, my understanding is flawed. If I try to earn to gain, if I try to achieve, if I'm trying to work for, I'm going to miss it. I don't lay hold on Christ. He lays hold on me. You see that? Now, this is talking about the saint. It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about the saint. It's talking about the walk with Christ, that which comes after salvation. So now in my walk with Christ, I die to self, I die to all of my ability. 
I died to all of my trying to hold on and grasp and, and, and control. I let go. Say, Lord, would you hold on me? Would you show me? Would you control? Would you hold? Because my hold is flawed. My hold is imperfect. Your hold is perfect. Because I have been apprehended by Christ. I have been called out, drawn out, changed, made new, redeemed. And upon me has been placed his righteousness, his sanctification, his wisdom, his spirit, his hold, his hand. It's his blood, his power, his works, his righteousness, not mine. I am apprehended. Because what happens? What happens in our minds? When we start thinking that I'm not good enough. What happens in our mind when I start worrying that my hold, my walk is so flawed that maybe I'm not good enough for the Lord or that that uh, I'm not holy enough, I can't do enough, I can't do it right, I keep messing up, I keep sinning, I keep failing, I keep falling. What 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 is the outcome of that? I start doubting my salvation. I start I start doubting the faith. I start worrying that maybe I'm not saved because I don't see a good enough change in myself because I'm not doing enough because my religiosity is limited. I start doubting the faith. I start doubting the hold of Christ because I somehow think that it's like this. My hand, his hand, and we work together to hold me. But in reality, my hand's not even there. It's his hand alone holding me. And it's the hand of Almighty God. You're held in the hand of the Father, and no man can pluck you out. I have not interlaced my fingers with his. My hands are, no, are, are not even in the picture. It's his hand, which is so massive, com completely envelops me. I, I and my whole life, my whole being, body, soul, and spirit is inside of his hand, and he holds me. I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. And I'm not falling through his fingers. I'm not slipping through the grasp. There's no way out of his hand. No man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. That therefore, my inabilities, my constant messing up of what, what I would think to perceive of as losing my sanctification, my unrighteousness can't undo this. My inabilities, my sin, my failings cannot undo the hand of God. I'm sorry, my friend, but your sin, your failings, your weaknesses, your inabilities are not stronger than the hand of God. Your sin cannot pry open the fingers of God. Your stupidity cannot remove the grasp of God on you. 
And what Paul is saying here to the Philippians is to cause is to cause the hearer of this to understand their proper placement to remember this accurately because when I remember when I think of this and the full impact of the grace of God I am then filled with the greatest joy I am filled with the greatest gladness, the greatest joy. I am filled with the greatest peace of mind, soul, spirit, and body. Because none of the walk is by me. None of my sanctification is by me. None of the righteousness is by me. All the Lord wanted was my soul. All the Lord wanted was my name to write in his book. All he wants is my heart. That's all. He doesn't he doesn't want your righteousness because you will you have none. <laughs> He doesn't want your goodness because you have none. It's corrupted. He wants what God wants is his son's righteousness to be manifested through you, not yours. What God wants is his son's sanctification manifested through you, not yours. He wants his son's works, his son's fruit to be manifested through you, not yours. Do you get that? Do you see that? I have been apprehended by Christ. Like when the policeman is chase is chasing after someone and grabs a hold of them and arrests them, they have been apprehended by the policeman. What the Lord did is he found me, he laid hold of me, he revealed himself to me, to my heart, my mind, he showed me and enlightened me. And then what? I stopped resisting. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. I stopped resisting and I believed. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I was apprehended by the Lord. I was apprehended by Christ. He laid hold of me. And he apprehended me. I then now walk by a new rule, a new standard, a new life. I have been changed. And his spirit was was placed inside of me. And he taught me a new law. No longer the law of flesh, the law of mind, but the law of spirit. A new law, a new life, a new person. I've been made a new creature by him. And he put me put in me a new heart and a new mind and it's and it's his heart his mind not mine i don't apprehend myself he apprehended me not as though i had already attained i attained nothing it's his attainment 
It's not as though I had already attained either made perfect. I didn't make myself perfect. He made me perfect. Not by keeping of law and commandments, but by believing faith. If only the workspace salvationist could see this. It's not me. It's all him. Good tidings of great joy is given to all men, to all people. This great joy is the full, full impact of the power, control, faith, grace, righteousness, working, teaching, instructing, perfecting of him. He gave himself for us in the place of us. What are we doing trying to take some of that back? Not as though I had already attained, either made perfect, but I follow after, if that I may, may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. That I may apprehend that for which I am also already apprehended. What is he getting at? Uh, what, now what I want to apprehend is that which I am already apprehended by. I want to grab a hold and lay hold on more of this. I want more of this. I want more understanding. I want more knowledge, more wisdom. I want more of his righteousness to be seen through me. I want more of his sanctification to be seen through me. I want to see more. I want to know more. I want to hear more, see more, speak more, work more, walk in more. I want to believe more. That's what he's saying here. True joy, peace, understanding, and wisdom is when I cease to exist. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not saying that I have done that, but rather I, that's what I want. I count not myself to have apprehended. Because we, we pair this with Romans 7. Because we see him about the, the woes of his weaknesses and failings. Showing by that how he struggles at the personal apprehend, appreh apprehension of the working of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. One thing I do. I have learned in my my seeking of trying to lay hold on more if ye abide in me and my word abide in, abides in you my seeking to to make that reality one thing i do to help with this look what he says verse 13 look what he says philippians 3 verse 13 if only more professing christians could understand this point here Forgetting those things which are behind. Because what do we do? We're some of the dumbest people, I swear. <laughs> we talk about the grace of God. We talk about the forgiveness of God so much. We we that we we battle this. We debate this. We we defend this. We preach this. We li live this. Love this. Sleep. Think. 
grace, forgiveness. But yet at the same time, <laughs> we can't let go of our sin. Specifically, the remembrance of. We love to wallow in our sin. We love to hold on to it. We love to hold on to the remembrance of it. Oh, what I did yesterday, why did I do that? Or or the thing that I did an hour ago, whoa, what was me? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Yeah, sure, what you did was stupid. What you did was horrible. What you did was a terrible, terrible thing. But that's in the past. But it was only an hour ago. That's in eternity. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day with God. See, the time is irrelevant. It's the fact that, that, yeah, you did. But what did you do? You repented. You repented of it. You called upon the Lord and you cried out from the heart, Lord, forgive me. I was stupid. Why did I do this? For Please forgive my sin of this. Please forgive me. God is not the kind of God that when you make a mistake, when you sin, you have to come crawling in and beg and beg and beg and beg and beg and beg for hours on end, even days or whatever else, and you wallow and wallow in misery and tears, begging his forgiveness. He's not that kind of a God. The kind of a God he is, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When? When you ask him to forgive you. How many times? As many times as you ask him to forgive you. God is not like man. God doesn't grow tired of our constant repentance. He loves the fact that we do repent because we are showing our love of him, showing the superiority of him, showing our desire to walk in him, showing our uh, showing our guilt in this uh, of a godly sorrow because we want to walk in Christ because we don't want to dishonor him and it breaks our heart when we do. So that's why God loves it when we do repent. So forget the things of the past of the weaknesses and the failings and the sins and all these things forget it stop wallowing in it perfect peace and joy and, and power is shown in the living in the moment with him don't bring up the past why do you do that it's literally no different they're going out to the dumpster out back diving into the dumpster pulling out an old, rancid, rotting, stinking garbage bag, bringing it back in the house, opening it up, and fluffing out the stench, and saying, do you remember when we had this? Do you remember when we did that? Do you remember this? Why would you do that? Stop doing that with God, because the constant wallowing in your sin is fluffing up the stench of your sin again that it's already been dealt with. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You're not in danger of losing that. You have repented. Let it go. 
Let it go to its place. Stop bringing it up again. It's your flesh and devils that want that to keep coming up again and again and again. Because what does the flesh and devils want? Ruin your joy. Hinder your walk. Don't let it. Give no place to the devil. Not even at the dumpster. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forget the past. What does it also say? Take no thought of the morrow. Perfect peace and joy. Perfect soundness of mind, calmness of mind, perfect peace. And I, and I will keep, uh, uh, how does it go? That thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Perfect peace. Do you want perfect peace? That's peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of life, the peace of day. A perfect day with no worries, no fears, no heavinesses, nothing hanging over you. You're in a perfect state of calmness, joy, peace. Do you want that? Forget the things of the past. Let it go. Cut it off. Burn that bridge. Take no thought of the morrow. Don't even worry about it. Who cares? Oh, what, what school are we going to do about tomorrow? Don't even worry about it. The Lord will look after it. I'm his child. Do you think that he's going to fail you? Do you think he's going to forget you? Do you think he's not going to fulfill the promise? Do you think he's not going to provide for you? He's not going to protect you? He's not going to help you? He's not going to guide, guard, convict, teach, instruct, or anything? you think he's just going to be like, uh, uh, comes that day, he's like, oh, I forgot about so-and-so. He's not going to do that. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Look after it, it, uh, the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. You worry about today. About your walk with him today. About your right here, right now, in, in this tick of the clock. How's your walk with Christ? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, which is what? Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what is that? What is the prize? kingdom of God the kingdom of God the prize is the kingdom the prize is what I am going to be inheriting and it's given to me by grace so in other words uh, now this is a a term that I made up a while ago is we walk in this life like we're already there. We walk with our head in the clouds. We walk with our head in the clouds. We walk like we're already there. We live like we're already there. We talk like we're already there. Because in the eyes of God, we are. You realize that, right? In the eyes of God, we are. We are already there. I have 
already inherited the kingdom. The kingdom is mine. Because I am his child. My name is, is, is in his book. His spear is in me. I am a child of God. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because I am saved. For I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Because he holds me. He's already in me. And I am in him. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. You have been apprehended. You lose. You're, you aren't going to lose anything. You're not going to lose his favor. You're not going to lose his hold. You're not going to lose his righteousness. You're not going to lose his sanctification. You're not going to lose his redemption. You're not going to lose anything. Not one single finger of the hand of God is going to slip on his hold on you. I press toward the mark, which is the peace of Christ's likeness, the peace of Christ, the understanding of Christ, the mark of the prize. Jesus Christ is the prize. The kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, his spirit, his power, the high calling. The high calling of a, being a child of God, saved of God, a saint of God. One of his dear children, the prize of the mark, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Full immersion. Not one thing is left out. My life is his. I'm held in his hand. Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect. You want to be perfect? <laughs> we, we see the law keepers and all of them always talking about we, got, we have to be perfect in the law. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's dumb. Uh, the, the law doesn't make you perfect. The law shows that you're corrupted. Because you can't keep the law. Do you want to be perfect? You want to be perfect? People talk about being sinless. <laughs> You're not sinless. But do you want to be perfect? Let us therefore, verse 15, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Think on this. Think of this. Think about this. You want to be perfect? Think of this. Be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Think of this that I've already said. You're apprehended by Christ and it's all of him. Because the perfection is not yours where you have to attain perfection. But the perfection is already given to you. That in the eyes of the Father, you are perfect. Because when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, the sanctification of his son, the holiness of his son. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement of Jesus Christ. He sees his son when he looks at you, kept in the eyes of God, you are perfect. Because you have his son. You want to be perfect? Think about how you already are in the eyes of God because you have Jesus Christ. He is your perfection. He is perfection. Jesus Christ is perfection. 
is perfection of deity. He's the perfection of holiness. He's the perfection of everything. He is the Son of God, God the Son, God manifest in the flesh, and He is my everything. He's my everything. And look what He says. It goes on to say in verse 15, And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, and if you start thinking of something else, start thinking of somehow it's by you, God shall reveal even this unto you, that the Spirit of Christ which dwells in you in your heart will teach you. <laughs> you don't need to worry about a thing. You don't need to worry about, oh, what should I what should I do? What should I do? He'll tell you. His Spirit he will cause you to be in remembrance of everything where I have told you, Jesus says. My spirit, which it will be in you, will teach you and instruct you. We will give you the words to say. We'll even teach you how to pray, for we know not how to pray for as we ought. Doesn't that, doesn't this make you happy? Doesn't hearing this make you feel happy? Make you feel relieved? sense of joy and peace of mind understanding that none of the faith is about you none of keeping the faith is by you you don't keep the faith he keeps you you don't apprehend anything he's apprehended you all that you seek to apprehend is more of what has already apprehended you. I don't just want one hand. I want both hands. I don't want just both hands. I want both arms wrapped around me. I want to be in more. I want to dive deeper into that immersion in Christ. John 14, 26. John 14, 26. But the comforter, the comforter, there's a comfort, a comfort, like a warm blanket that wraps around you on a cold day and a nice warm blanket. You remember that, you know, when you do the laundry and you, you're pulling stuff out of the dryer and you grab that blanket out of the dryer, nice and hot. And it's a cold day, that nice, hot fuzzy warm soft blanket and you're wrapping around yourself that comfort it makes you have that sigh and just that comfort and for a moment everything's gone and all you can think about is just this comfort the the spirit of god which is the comforter he wraps around us he holds us and the spirit of god encompasses his saints he wraps around us he holds us he indwells us in and out this comfort of joy and peace and gladness but the comforter which is the holy ghost the holy spirit the spirit of christ which dwells in the heart of every believer whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring all things to you to your remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you what kind of an absolute deluded mind would think that any of the faith is by you. 
It's all of him. None of me. To, to be allowed into this kind of an all-encompassing kingdom. All I got to do is one thing. All of this promise, all of this hold, all of this grace and peace and joy and comfort and teaching and instruction and protection and guidance and wisdom and power, all of this that God is offering, it's all right there, but it's all walled off. It's all walled off. I can't get near it. Except for this door. There's only one door. One door. I can't get in any other way. There's no other back door or secret entrance. There's no window to crawl through. And I can't scale the wall. All I can do is accept the rule of entry. And that is the person of Jesus Christ and what he has already done for you. He carved that door in the wall. He installed that entrance. It's his entrance. He is the carpenter. He made the door. He framed it. He installed it. It's ready and it's unlocked. And he's standing right there. The door swung open wide and he's holding his hands out in invitation. He says, do you want to come in? All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I believe. Please forgive me and save me. I want it. And you grab his hand and he pulls you in. The entrance is by his power, his rule. What he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. As the Lord says, I am the good shepherd, he also says, I am the door. You enter by me, Jesus says. I am the door, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. And all of this power and control and just wondrous, wondrousness of the nature of God of his hold and his strength and his joy, his peace and his gladness is then poured upon you. Just like an avalanche, an absolute flood of the goodness of God, of his nature, his spirit, his person, of his kingdom. Just completely floods in and you're immersed in the nature of the goodness and the power, the control of the hand of almighty God. You want to be perfect? Just realize who you are in Jesus Christ. That by the very, by the very eyes of God, He sees perfection on you, because the hand of His Son is on you. Not just His hand, but His Spirit, His blood, His name, His strength. Nevertheless, verse sixteen. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. What we have already attained by this. Let us walk by the same rule. The same rule of entry. Is the same rule of walk. Of fellowship. Hand in hand with Jesus. Because think about it just for a moment. Imagine Jesus Christ himself. 
was physically standing right beside you. Like he was 2,000 years ago, walking the roads, visiting people, and doing all the works that he did. Imagine if he was physically came over to your house, knocked on your door, came in, and he walked over, and he smiling, grabbed your hand. It says, I'm going to hang out with you today. How do you think that would change the way you think, talk, behave, work, walk? Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. A fellowship with Jesus. Joyous, glad tidings, great joy, which shall be to all people, it's given unto you this joy the joy of peace of mind peace of understanding peace of heart you're walking hand in hand with him in his hand he's holding you enveloping you and he's not letting go walk in this walk in this God's rule. What is God's rule? I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. You can't pry open my fingers. You cannot kick me out of your heart. For I have a hold on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let us mind the same thing. Let us all be in unison of spirit and the bond of peace and the understanding that we are all the children of God, those who have believed on the Son of God. Brethren, verse 17, be followers together of me and, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Now look what he says here in verse 17. Be followers together of me. Why would Paul say that? Be a follower of me. Well, as he sa says in another passage, uh, uh, be followers of me as I, uh, no, sorry. Uh, use me as an example as I am an example of Christ. Okay, well, what's he talking about here in this context? Well, firstly, to understand this, like I said before, about uh, proper biblical discernment starts with investigation of the author, of the person that said or did the thing wrote the book or whatever you look at the author before you look at the teaching okay who is paul a born again christian saved man appointed as an apostle a leader of the church by the lord jesus christ himself speaking by direct inspiration of the spirit of god so the spirit of the living god is speaking through paul and telling him what to write what to do where to go and is instructing him okay be followers of me because look at my example look at how the lord is using me how uh, look at how i'm teaching instructing helping others look what i'm doing for the lord look at this how, and how i'm as a man serving the lord look at how i'm doing this okay now i get it be followers together of me of how i teach and instruct and walk and how i've learned and everything to be content I've learned joy. How I've learned the gladness of God. Learned that contentedness by the comfort of the Spirit. Brethren, be followers together of me. 
And look at it says, and mark them which walk. So as ye have us for an, for an example. And also pay attention to others. Not just me, but others. Others who walk like the Philippians. Others who walk in simplicity of faith. Simplicity of grace. Now why does he say that? Because in the follow-up in verse 18, for there, for there are many who walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. There are scores of people in all kinds of positions who claim to be servants of God, claim to be followers of the Lord, claiming to be walking in Christ, but they're enemies. They're not your brothers and sisters. They're your enemy. Enemy of faith. Enemy of spirit. Now, yes, they're made in the image of God. They need to be saved too. But spiritually, they're your enemy. Because they're seeking to tear you down. As he warned before about the dogs. They're seeking to tear you away from the joy. Tear you away from the peace. To ruin your joy. Ruin your walk. To try to drag you back into the law. Away from grace. Corrupting the truth of Christ. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the cross. Enemies of the full work of Christ. That he did everything that needed to be done. Nothing is left for you. They want to tear it apart. And this is paired with Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. And we want verses 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. So you see, marking the brethren, identifying who is a brother and sister in Christ and who is worthy to, uh, to follow uh, as examples to help encourage you, uplift you, and to keep you charged and challenged in your walk with Christ. But also to mark those that are walking contrary. Walking contrary to the doctrine. The doctrine of grace. The doctrine of Christ. The doctrine that is according to Scripture. Those are in contradiction. Those who are contrary, mark and avoid. Avoid. Have nothing to do with them. Don't listen to them. Have nothing to do with them. For they that are such that walk contrary, they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own works, their own hands, their own religiosity, their own law keeping. It's all about them. They've stolen it away from Jesus and are trying to be a Jesus themselves. Try to save themselves. Earn their own sanctification. Earn their own righteousness. Because they think that somehow they have the, that they have the same nature as Jesus and ability to, to attain perfection by their own hand. Bunch of nonsense. They that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Not our Jesus, but their Jesus. What did Jesus say? There are many false Christs. There are many false Christs. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Do not go to them. Do not listen to them. But they serve their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They seek to deceive and pull away, draw away those who are, are, 
who have a simple understanding of the gospel. They prey on your ignorance of the word of God. Prey on your ignorance. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, hell. Their end is hell, the condemnation, the destruction. Their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Their shame. God literally calling it, because to them, what is their glory? religiosity their religiosity their good words good works and they'll cry up a lord lord have we not done have we not done have we not done their glory is shame their glory is their shame who mind earthly things the physical nature the physical things it's about their their works and righteous works and law keeping do you see that it's so clear the difference between born-again Christians and the cults, between salvation by grace and every single other belief system in the entire world. Shameful. It's just the glory of earthly things. Makes no sense. Why would you want that nastiness? Why would you want that filth? As Paul calls it, dung. Because in the eyes of God, you are trying to elevate corrupted, sinful attempt of good works, elevating it to the same level as Jesus Christ's works. That's literally like taking a, a bucket from the sewage and plopping it on the dinner table by a fresh-made uh, feast. What are you doing with that? Get it out of here. Elevating your works to, this, to the works of Jesus Christ is like trying to elevate sewage. For our conversation, verse 20, for our conversation is not in ourselves. Our conversation, our focus is not in us. It's not about us. Our conversation is in heaven. Talking like you're already there. Because we are. We are. Our names are written down in glory. Our souls are held in the hand of the Father. We already walk before the throne in prayer. We, we live, we walk, we talk, we think like we're already there. Because we are. We are citizens of heaven walking in earth. Children of the Son of God, priests of the Most High God, who, who, can, who now have the authority given by God to stand before the throne while we're living here. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look to him in all things look for him in all things our eyes behold only the son of god who shall change our vile body our corrupted sinful flesh that wars against our spirit because our flesh hates the things of god because it's corrupted by sin and that's why the flesh will die but he will change our bodies and our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye 
who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, our prize of being changed into his image, of what he's going to do for us, of the, of the final work of God, is when he changes our bodies into that resurrected body. John chapter 5, and he'll resurrect. Be fashioned like unto his. You know, I, I've tried to actually think about that. I've tried to think about that. i tried to comprehend. Could you imagine what it's going to be like having these bodies? Take your hands, go like this. Your body! <laughs> he will take your body and change it. How? No sin. He, and the sin will be removed from the flesh. All corruption, all disease, illness, sin, all negativity, all tears wiped away. And he'll give a new life to our flesh, to our bodies. And you'll unite our souls with our bodies again. And we will have a resurrected body just at, like Jesus had on the resurrection morning. And we'll step into a newness with a changed body. No more sin. No more temptations. No more darkness. No more fear. No more doubt. No more... No, no, None of that. I, I, it, it's. I can't wrap my mind around that because it's just. It's so different. Then no more of those fleeting thoughts going through your mind and suggestions and temptations and any of that ever again. Ever again. Oh man, I want that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that hope. Looking forward to that prize. Looking forward to that change. Looking forward to that day. I, I'm going to be there. You're, I hope and pray you're going to be there. And we'll be there together. Walking in the Lord. With the Lord. Changed. Who shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working. Whereby he is able. According to the working of him. Not my working. There, there are some absolutely downright deluded individuals who think that in this life they can perfect themselves and become sinless, perfect, holy in these bodies. Now, by their maintenance of law-keeping, Galatians <clears throat> uh, uh, Galatians 3.22 But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. You know what that means? Now as uh, our bodies which are as Romans 7 talks about we've corrupted by sin uh, concluded all, all are under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ may be given to them that believe. 
But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under schoolmaster. The law. We're no longer under the law. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have, been, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're no longer under the law. We're under faith. The law was to, is just a teacher, an instructor, a school, school teacher that should teach, educate you about the faith and show you how you're a sinner. And then when we believe on the Lord by faith, we're no longer under that schoolmaster. So what makes you think that somehow going back to that old schoolmaster, which we're no longer by, you're deceived, you have fallen from grace, and you want to bind yourself to the law again, you want to go backwards. You're going backwards, but forgetting the things of the past. Romans 6.14, we're no longer under the law, but under grace. You can't be perfect by law keeping. You can't be perfect by commandment keeping. You can't be perfect by your deeds. We, we are perfect by the perfection of Jesus Christ. So what does this have? So, so how does this help, help me then? In understanding that in everything, our sin is a direct cause of the flesh warring against our spirit. Trying to make you think. The flesh and the devils are trying to make you think. That you can pry open the fingers of God. That your favor, your ability, your walk, your placement in the family of God. Can be threatened by your flesh. That your flesh is somehow more powerful than the spirit of God. Your flesh is able to blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life. That your flesh is more powerful than the Spirit of Christ. That your flesh can pry open the fingers of God. That your flesh can undo the perfection of the Spirit of God. The flesh is deluded, isn't it? It's like the devil thinking he can dethrone God. Your flesh thinks it can dethrone grace. God who changes us. God who fashions us, his glorious body, his glorious work, his excellent knowledge, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Look at that. He is able. I'm not. Because he's the, he's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He is able to subdue and fashion all things unto himself. All hail King Jesus. So that's that's that. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. If this has been a help, a comfort, and encouragement to you, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icons, and we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We got tons and tons of other content. And more like like this over there. So check out the playlist, Once Saved, Always Saved. We have tons and tons of videos that going about different angles and things like this. Um, 
And if you have any questions on this, please, uh, by all means, go ahead and ask away. Be glad to hear from you. And like I said, if you appreciate these studies, give this a like, give this a thumbs up, and share this video around. Share this around to others or others to help comfort the mind, comfort them, to help them, encourage them, to uplift them in the understanding of the grace of Jesus Christ. Could you do that? Could you share this around? Please do. And uh, yeah. So with that, uh, that's Philippians chapter 3. So uh, Lord willing, we'll finish this up. And um, today's Wednesday. We'll finish this up Friday chapter four so i hope you'll join in then uh just gonna double check with the comments here going down through the comments purely says that's that's truly been the game changer in my walk knowing that knowing that i know that i know that i'm nothing without him keeping myself low so that he can be raised high <laughs> amen amen uh going down through uh purely says my flesh is so annoying can't wait to ditch it for good i on the prize yep i on the prize the resurrection of uh, in christ jesus on that blessed blessed day when he comes to changes all right um uh, and first john 1 8 if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us we need jesus that's right that's right so uh Uh, big San here has a com comment. Uh, what commandments do we have to follow? None. Not a have to. I don't have to do anything. But rather, when when my focus is on Christ, on the person of Jesus Christ, and I believe on the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is the first and greatest commandment of promise, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. When I do this, now, I love the Lord of a pure heart fervently, looking to him, uh, the author and finisher of my faith and everything that I do. I understand that, that it's his hold, his grace, his power. And naturally, instinctually, out of you will flow the springs of living water, the good deeds, the works and the fruit. It's a byproduct of your love of Christ because his spirit is able to work through you, speak and work and instruct through you. He, he is manifested through your love of him. When you go and speak of him and go to go to serve in his name, the good works, these things are, are just manifested. I don't I don't try to manifest. He manifests. It's his works. It's his words. He works through us. He speaks through us. He, he does all this. The commandments. These are the things as the Lord gave us. The law was not made for the righteous men, but for the unrighteous, for the unholy and the profane. The law was made for the, for, for the sinners. The law is made for the unsaved. The commandments of God are to help them to understand the full nature of the righteousness of God so that they would understand and see how they're a sinner. The law is a schoolmaster. The commandments are an instruction to help them to see their need of Christ. That he, he can save you. We don't follow commandments. We follow Christ. But in following Christ, the commandments are just seen. It just... It, it just naturally happens so it's a want to not a have to i don't have to do anything other than believe god commands all men everywhere to believe so so also just to add on this there are some people out there that would say well well you have to keep all the commandments which ones which ones do we not so we see we trust in him with all our heart not in ourselves 
but to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, not in yourself, because you can't keep the commandments. I challenge you. Try to be, uh, try to keep the law. Try to keep the commandments for one hour, perfectly, flawlessly, without breaking a single one. And you understand that it's not just the Ten Commandments. The entire Word of God is the law of God. And there's a lot more than just Ten Commandments. There's commandments for thought, word, sight, hearing, work, heart, feet. There's all-encompassing of all kinds. There's so many commandments. That's, but that's the point. is to show your inability that you can't keep them. You can't be perfect, but rather he pours his perfection upon you. You are made perfect by the perfection of Jesus Christ, not by your hold on yourself and maintenance of fruit. Our hope is in him, not in our hands. It's his hold on us, not our, not our hold on him. Make sense? Does that make sense? So there we go. So with that, I'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.